The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I know we've been there and you're going to get used to that and we're going to continue our arsenal part 2. I told you last week <clears throat> this is where we'd be. We've been examining the reality of spiritual conflict. I believe I experienced that uh, just just even today, you know, it's easy for us to uh, or for me, I can't speak for all of us sometimes to to just go oh, it's just another Sunday and uh even sometimes to uh to say, I don't, I'm just not going to go today. You know, I told y'all about that man that got up and, and said, I, I'm not going to that church. The people don't like me. Uh, they don't care if I'm there or not. Nobody's friendly. They're all hateful. And she said, honey, you got to go. You're the preacher. And sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Uh, and I believe that's, that's the reality of a spiritual conflict. When we can find any, any reason and any, uh, way to say, you know, I'm just not going today. I, I've, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I've got this. I've got that. And, and I believe truly that's a, that's a, a, a reality of spiritual conflict. And, uh, I think the more we can become aware of the battle and the more that we can become aware of our adversary, uh, then the more we can be prepared for those times that Satan attacks. And I think we, uh, through Scripture, I know that we can, we can defend that through prayer and through Scripture and through putting on the full armor of God. And uh, we've looked at the first three pieces of armor. We looked at those last week. And I'll remind you, you can go to the, to the Internet and uh, eastdeltabc.com and you can review that sermon if you weren't here. And if you'd like to, it's there online. Uh, today we're going to look at the, the last three pieces of armor. And as I said last week, each piece of armor uh, is not something we put on like a change of clothes every day. Uh, truly, the armor of God is something that we possess. It's part of our virtues, part of who we are. It's, our, it's a characteristic or a quality that as Christians we have. Now, here's the important thing to remember Paul is talking to Christians here. If we've never accepted Christ, then we, we don't have the, the ability to put on the armor of God until we make that first step of accepting Him. And so when we look at these pieces of armor, uh, the first thing that we have is salvation. And when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, and the battle is continuing to rage and even ramps up at that point, then we begin to understand God has equipped us with this, with this armor that we can withstand what Satan <clears throat> has to throw at us. So I want you to think not so much of this armor as something that you would actually put on, even though uh, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a piece of armor that we can see, that we can understand what the purpose is. But I want you to think of it more of a, a quality or a characteristic or a conviction you hold or a belief that you have through Christ, and, and it's something that, that is lived and maintained in the regular pattern of our life. So this armor of God is something that, that each day we have, and each day we're living it, and each day we're wearing it, and each day we're equipped for the battle, because the battle is constant. Remember, as we look at Ephesians chapter 10, and we'll go ahead and read that, Ephesians six ten says, Finally, be strong in the Lord in His mighty power, and put on the full armor of God, so that you can stay, take your stand against the devil's schemes. And we need to understand that's daily and hourly. The, the Bible says that day and night Satan comes before 
Christ and accuses the brethren. That's night and day, 24-7. Satan is always there. He's always accusing us. And, and Paul goes on and says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, and we talked about all of those things previously in the last few weeks, and therefore, in verse 13, he says, Put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the righteousness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. You know, church, we're to pray for one another. We're to, we're to lift each other up in, in our prayer times. And we do that on Wednesdays. We, we pray for this church every Wednesday night. And, and we pray for special needs. But as a whole, we pray for this church. And we pray for you, maybe not by name, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, as people who come, we, we pray for you weekly. And, and Paul says, that's what we need to do. We need to always keep on praying. But as we look at these, uh, these, these tools in our arsenal and then we look at this full armor of God, we looked last week at the belt of truth and I just want to quickly remind you about those things. That belt of truth is, is not telling the truth, which we should tell the truth and we should be honest and upright in our dealings. But the truth that, that Paul's talking about is the truth of God and, and realizing that, that our, our salvation is, is completely built, our, our, the foundation upon which our salvation is built. It's built on the truth of God's Word. And Satan comes and he wants to tear down the truth of God's Word. He wants us to doubt the truth of God's Word. If he can make us doubt the truth of God's Word, he's got us on the wrong path. Because if we doubt the truth of God's Word, we doubt everything in Scripture. So, so Paul says, first of all, we need to have the belt of truth. And we talked about how that holds all those other garments together. That's, that's where it first starts, that belt of truth. And then the, the breastplate of righteousness. That's a, that, that righteousness is the obedient life that we live for Christ. And, and if we put on that breastplate that, that as Satan accuses us and we have that breastplate of righteousness, we're able to, we're able to to stand his accusations because we have the righteousness that comes from Christ, that right relationship of God with God that comes through Christ. And then lastly, last week, we talked about the shoes of peace and, and that's God's word. And it provides us with the ability to stand against the doubts and the guilt that, that Satan throws our way. And, and remember, we talked about those studied shoes that helps us dig in and stand our ground. So this morning, we're going to look at these th- last three implements of our, of our arsenal, of, of this, uh, of this, uh, the armor of God here. And, and here's the, here's number, number four. And, and I may say one, two, and three, but today, number one or number four in that, uh, that, that, uh, arsenal is the shield of faith. Now, the Romans had two kinds of shields that they used. One was, was a small little shield. And if y'all have watched movies or, or looked at different things, you've seen those little small shields that, that kind of fit on their hand, and, and they used them with hand-to-hand combat. Uh, and, and they had another shield, and, 
and uh, it's called a scutum, and, and why I've told you what it's called, it doesn't matter, but uh, I looked it up, and that's what it's called, and, and this shield's about four and a half foot tall, so it's, it's probably about this tall, and, and it's about two and a half foot wide, so it's, it's probably this wide and, and this tall, and, and that's, the, that, that's the shield that was made of laminated wood. It was covered with, with a hardened leather, and around the edges was metal. And the reason they used that kind of shield was it was it, they were capable of of interlocking it with other shields. So when Paul's describing this, that's the type shield that he's describing, not the little hand to hand combat shield, but he's talking about that that other shield that 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 scutrum that was that was four and a half foot by two and a half foot, and and what that was used for, it was like a, a tortoise. Uh, shell or it was a, a moving wall. Now, I would, I, as I said tortoise this morning, who, who doesn't know or who knows what a tortoise is? Nobody call, hardly says tortoise anymore, do they? I, I, I thought that and I said tortoise and I said, does anybody even know what a tortoise is anymore? Just a turtle, but, uh, but I want you to remember that. So the reason I stopped and pointed that out is I want you to get that picture of a tortoise shell or a tortoise shield. Or I want you to get a, a picture of a moving wall. And I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But, but Paul says we need to put on the, take up the shield of faith. And the Bible tells us that our shield of faith, uh, our shield is faith. So what are we talking about when we talk about the full armor? He's saying our shield is faith. And as we think about faith... Uh, the Bible's not referring here to a saving faith. Remember, we're, we've already passed that point of we've accepted Christ. And, and what I'm saying is that's what Paul is saying. We, he's talking to Christians that are Christians that have already accepted Christ. And, and he's saying, as you've already accepted Christ, there's, there's further actions in faith. So the shield of faith is not the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's rather the reference to a living, practical faith. In other words, he says we need to take up a living, practical faith. That's part of our armor that we can defend Satan away from. Our daily confidence, our reliance upon God, our guidance, our direction, our protection for our daily trust. He says we need to have faith. We need to take up the faith. James Patton, he was a missionary to the South Sea. He, he developed a great definition of faith. One day he said he was trying to translate the word of faith to the native language, and he was stumped. He was there, and, and he was thinking, how can I describe the word of faith to, these, to the natives that don't have a word for faith? And he said about that time, a, a native walked into his hut, and he, he just kind of collapsed back in his chair, kind of sat down in his chair, and the native looked at the, at the pastor there, Mr. Patton, and he said, it's good to be able to rest my whole weight on this chair. And, and Patton said, immediately, when I heard that statement, I realized how I could translate that word faith, and that's, that's putting one's whole weight upon God. It's, it's saying, hey, Paul says, hey, we need, to, we need to place our whole weight upon God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were fixing some fence, and Denise and I were down in the, the back part of our pasture, and a few years ago, we had fixed this fence, and we, there's a washout down there, and it's pretty deep, and, and I had cut a tree about that big around and laid it across there and trimmed it up, and I remember walking back and forth and back and forth, and, and so we were repairing, and, and uh, so I, I got down there, and, and I, I said, well, I'm going to... 
I'm going to go and, and walk across this thing. And uh, I, I stepped out there, and, and I stepped out a little farther, and, and uh, I held the fence. And I took another step, and I stood up, and then I stepped. And when I did, it broke. And, and I looked like a pig on ice. I mean, my, I was, and what I was thinking is, I don't want to fall because I thought there might be snakes down there because there's brush and uh, wash stuff all down in there. And I finally gained my composure, and, and then I looked like Fred Astaire when I come out of there. You know, I was all back. And, uh, so I got back to the truck, and Smart Alex said, you had a little trouble down there, didn't you? <laughs> and I, I said, yeah. She said, you look like a cat hanging from a line. You know, I was hanging from the barbed wire. And, uh, and uh, see, I, I, put, I put some faith in it, but when I put my whole weight on it, it failed me. So, so when we think about that faith... We need to think about it as we're going to put our whole weight on God. I mean, we're going to put everything. We're going to, we're going to just come to Him and we're going to lay all our weight on Him. And here's the great thing. He's going to hold up. We, we execute practical faith every day. Just think about all the things you have faith in. I mean, even today when you came and sat down in that pew, you had faith that that pew was going to hold you. You, you put your whole weight there. And, and we, we cross over bridges going home. You've got faith that bridge is going to hold you up. We're going to go eat in a restaurant somewhere or you're going to go, uh, many places. You're going to believe that stuff's prepared right and that it's, that it's not going to hurt you. We, we practice that practical faith every day. And what Paul is saying is, is we need to practice that spiritual faith every day. That's something that we, we should go through life and, and, and spiritually we ought to be able to just say, you know what, I'm going to rest my whole weight upon you, God. And when we do that, the truth is that faith is, is as reliable as whatever we put it in. I put my faith in a log that was been laying, laying across the creek for two years and, and it failed me. But, but the shield of faith, when it's Jesus Christ, it'll never fail us. And the good thing is, when, when we put that shield of faith, we're able to withstand what Satan's going to hurl at us. Because we need to understand that the shield of faith, it works to extinguish those fiery darts of the evil one. And with this shield of faith, we have confidence. So, so the shield of faith equals confidence. And we're talking about how we're going to be able to withstand when Satan comes and he attacks. And, and with that shield of faith, we have confidence. And I want to ask you this morning, what do you have your confidence in? What are you placing all your weight in? Because today the world says, hey, we need to, we need to place all our weight in this thing. We need to place all our weight in our, in our retirement that's coming. We need to place all our weight in, in our possessions. We need to place all our weight in these different areas. And, and the Bible says, lay yourself treasure up on uh, heaven because moth and rust and corrosion destroys all these things on earth. And so many people live their life placing their faith in things that, that are going to pass away. And Paul says our, our shield of faith gives us confidence. That, that shield of faith is our daily living. It keeps us prepared for what Christ 
and what he has for us and what Satan's going to come against us with. So our shield's not living the way we, we hope that things would turn out. Our faith is simply saying, you know what, I'm going to place my, my whole weight upon Christ. I'm going to live a life of faith, a, a life of obedience. Those go hand in hand, faith and obedience. And, and with that, I'm going to be able to withstand when Satan hurls these fiery darts at me. So put on the faith. It, our faith needs to be in the right place. Listen to a couple of scriptures here. Second Samuel 22, 31. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven... And he is a shield to all those who trust in him. Psalms 119, 114 says, You're my hiding place. You're my shield. And I hope in your word. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. So with that shield of faith, we have confidence. Not only do we have confidence, a shield of faith equals confidence, but it also equals courage. Notice why we need the shield of faith. The enemy is shooting arrows at us. That's the, that's the picture that, that Paul here, that Paul painted for us. He's shooting arrows to defeat us and, and we need a shield to quench those fiery darts. We need a, our faith gives us the courage to stand in time of temptation. You know, if you're on the battlefield and, and you realize the enemy's shooting at you, you want, you want something that, that, that you can put confidence in and that you can have courage. And as these Roman soldiers would have had a shield, they would have had, say, said, you know, I have courage because I have a shield. I have something I know is going to protect me. And, and in Paul's day, archers would take and they would wrap the tip of arrows with, with cloths and then they would dip them in, in pitch and slime. That's kind of like tar. And they would set them on fire and, and then they would shoot them. Y'all, y'all have probably seen movies and there's several different movies out there. And when the, the battle would, they would line up on the battlefield and, and they would have the archers come forward first. And, and that was kind of to soften up the enemy and, and they they would, they would take their bows and they would, they would dip them in the pitch and tar and light them, set them on fire and they would shoot them up in the air and just kind of lob them over there. And, and then they would, they would hit and after they shot a few rounds of arrows and they would send in the next group for the battle. And, and Paul was thinking about that and he's describing that. And, and I was thinking, why would you dip it in tar and pitch? Because if you're there and an arrow goes through you, you're pretty much incapacitated, aren't you? But I want you to think about that. Have you ever thought about this? If you had a shield and you held it up and and an arrow hit and it it was covered in in tar, what's going to happen to it? It's going to splatter everywhere, isn't it? Now, it says here that the implication here is that you'll be able to to extinguish the, the, the fiery darts of the evil one. So if it hits your shield... You were protected. But what about this person next to you and this person next to you and this person up here and this person behind you? As you ducked under your shield and as that tar hit and it splattered, it, it, it begins to, to affect those around you. And I was thinking, how appropriate is that for us? As we think about Satan and we, take, we think about his attacks, how often does it affect others? 
We may withstand, but, but because of that attack, it, it, it spreads out and it, it begins to affect those around us. And, and I, I hate making lists of things because you leave so many out, but I was just thinking about those, those, fly, those flaming darts that Satan throws that he hurls at us. And, and sometimes they're, they're arrows of disappointment and discontent. We, we think, well, my marriage is not the utopia that I envisioned and, and we feel unfulfilled or we feel uh, incomplete and our, our disappointment, we begin to look for someone else. And, and you know what that is? That's, that's a fiery dart that Satan has, has flung your way or has slung your way. And maybe your child does something that you don't approve of and, and you're disappointed and, and you, the re- affection is withdrawn from you. And, and that's just a sign that Satan has pierced you. But, but think about in those circumstances how that affects others around you. And those fiery darts, how they will splatter out. Maybe arrows of lust and longing. Our co-worker seems more attractive, more understanding. They, they really understand me a lot better. Maybe it's arrows of doubt or dismay. You, you've lost a job. You've been divorced. You've, you've had some kind of problem. You've, you're facing a terrible illness. And you, you begin to say, well, does God even care anymore? Those are, those are some of the things that Satan hurls at us. Maybe it's, it's criticism. Maybe it's, it's some kind of condemnation. Maybe just through conversation, somebody, somebody made a set of statement, said a word, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're discouraged because of that. You feel criticized, and, and that cuts like a knife. See how Satan uses those things, and, and sometimes even just our words. They, they hit and they splatter around and, and they affect others around us. And that's why Paul's encouraging us to, to take up the shield of faith. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to a scripture. I don't have it today up here. I was just thinking about it and it come to mind. Deuteronomy 31. If you would turn over there and I want you to look at this and we're talking about that shield and, and that, in, that, that, that shield of faith equals courage. In Deuteronomy 31, down in verse 6, take and underline this in your Bible, if you don't mind writing in your Bible. I hope you don't. And, and, and refer back to this. Some translations read a little differently, but the NIV says this, Be strong and courageous. Some say, Take courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified because of those around for the, God, for the Lord your God, He goes with you, and He'll never leave you, and He'll never forsake you. See, that, that word of, of faith, see where that faith comes in there? That faith that says, hey, the Lord's never going to leave you, He's never going to forsake you. Hey, God is going to go with you through that battle. And what does He say before that? He says, be, be courageous, take up courage. And that's what the shield of faith is. It's, it's the courage to say, hey, whatever Satan's throwing at me, I'm going to have the courage and I'm going to be able to withstand and I'm going to be able to move forward. So we have, we have confidence through faith and, and we have courage through our faith. And, and lastly, that shield of faith equals community. It equals community. Understand that, that we're in a hand-to-hand struggle with, with Satan. We're, we're in that battle with his, with his legions. And it's interesting that, that the shield that is referred to here is not that small shield, but it's that larger shield. And remember what I said, this shield of faith equals community. 
It's highly unlikely, folks, for us here that any Christian is going to be able to stand firm in their faith for a long period of time without faltering sometimes. It's, it's highly unlikely without some support, without some accountability, without some, some compassion, like-minded people. It, it's going to be hard to stand on your own. It's going to be hard to, to be an island, and we need one another. We need one another to support us. I need you to help me, and, and we need one another to support one another. And remember what we were talking about, that tortoise shell? That moving wall, that's what the church is to be. See, we're to take those, those shields of faith and we're to lock them together. And we're to move together as one unit. And, and when Satan comes and attacks, and when we come on Sundays and we worship together, we lock our shields together and, and we're able to withstand Satan as a community together. And that's what the shield of faith is. It's, it, you hear people, and I've had so many people tell me, well, I can, I can worship just as good on a golf course as I can come into church. I can look around at all that God has made and I can worship God. Well, that's true. My question is always, well, do you do it? But, but, but the, that's the truth. But the truth is we can't be where God wants us to be if we're out by ourselves all the time. He wants us to come together as a community that's why he says in Hebrews, don't forsake the, the, the assembly of the brethren, the coming together of the brethren, because we can lock our shields together and we can move as one, as a group. So our shield, it, it equals confidence and courage and also community. Don't worry, the next couple, I'm not going to spend as much time. The second is this, we need to put on the helmet of salvation. That's the fifth piece of armor. Some helmets were made of this thick covered leather. Some were, were fashioned out of, of molded metal. Everybody knows what that helmet looks like. The, the, the purpose of that helmet was obvious. It was to protect the head from injury. That's, that's the whole purpose. And I think Satan attacks us on many levels, but, but his mental attacks on the strength of our faith through, through just uh, apostasy, just through not caring. You know, I just, I just don't care anymore. That, that's a mental attack through, through false teachings. That, that cripples so many people. And, and I think Satan attacks us in those, in those areas. And, and here's, here I was thinking about people that, that just don't understand their faith. And they're led astray because of some false teachers that come along. Remember when we talked about Satan, we revealed who it was. It says he masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he's a, he's a, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. The Bible says he's going to look like a, an angel of light. He's going to come to you with word. And, and for people that don't have that helmet of salvation, that, that truth and understanding of God's word, they're, they're led astray by those false teachings. It's a fact that Mormons and Jehovah Witness, they boast about the number of converts from the Baptist church. They boast about that because they come with this, with this masquerading as children of light, with this wolf in sheep's clothing, and, and they're able to dupe God's Word and, and draw people away. And I believe that helmet of salvation refers to a mind that's controlled by God, a mind that has knowledge, a mind that has understanding and has the precepts of God's Word. And, and we need to have our minds guarded. It says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, to, to, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and that's part of that helmet of salvation that we, we possess a deep understanding of our faith and it's imperative for us to understand why we believe what we believe. Folks, don't ever believe something I tell you. 
because we need to go to God's Word and we need to believe what God's Word says because God's Word tells us that. Not because some preacher gets up and says it. Well, I believe it. And somebody says, well, why do you believe what you believe? Well, because that's what Jake said. Or that's what the preacher I listened to the radio said. Or, or that's what I heard, uh, that's what I read in this book. We need to understand what God's Word says and we need to be, our minds need to be transformed. And Paul says that's part of our, that's part of our armory against Satan is, is when someone attacks our beliefs, we, we, we need to be able to stand and, and intellectually say, hey, this is why I believe what I believe. Well, I didn't go to seminary. Well, I, I'm not a Bible scholar. Well, you don't have to be. You know what God's Word has done for you, and you know what God's Word says, and we need to be equipped with that, with that helmet of salvation. Salvation, it equips us with calm assurance. It, it equips us with, with a blessed assurance, and we talked about the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The hope of eternal life, the hope of abundant life, that's where God's Word rest. So we need to take up the helmet of salvation and really truly know why we believe and what we believe. And here's the last thing, the sword of the Spirit. Take up the sword of the Spirit, the the sword that was used by Romans. They were about 18 inches long. They were double-edged and they were designed for close-quartered hand-to-hand combat. That was the kind of the swords they used. And, And Paul says, our swords, Christians, it's the Word of God. This is, this is your sword. This is, this is the Word of God. This is, Paul says, we need to take up this, the Word of God that, that we'd be able to defend when Satan comes against us. Understanding the sword, that's important. Do y'all watch Forged in Fire, anybody? Man, I got hooked by that thing. I got hooked by that forged in fire, and I'd search for it. I think we're in the off season because I can't find it right now. But but forged in fire, it's just a it's a show about uh, folks that take any number of things, a spring out of a car, or a, a, some part out of an automobile somewhere, or they go find a, bo- a box full of ball bearings and they take and they melt them and they fashion them in some kind of sword and they test them and try them and and whoever the two finalists are, they they're they're tasked with the task of building a weapon from from years ago and they'll say this this weapon is is this type sword and it was used in these type of battles by these type of people and and those building the swords they often they they take a they take and look and say hey I went back and I studied and this sword was used for this and and every little part you know there's there's a, a knuckle guard and there's a hook on the end of the sword and they'd say well this is used for for grabbing the grabbing shields and jerking the shields off and and this part is used for this and and they try to completely understand the sword. And then they go back to their home forge and they build that sword and they bring it back and, and they, they put it through certain tests. And, and I was thinking about that. For us to be fully equipped, we need to really understand the sword and the purpose of the sword. It wasn't simply, they don't simply get to go home and, and come back with some type of knife. They, they take a sword and, and they design that sword for the purpose that it was used, for a purpose it was created for. So our, our sword, it's, it's, our, it's the Bible, it's our spiritual weapon. That's what our sword is, the Bible. And, and I found this quote by Thomas Guthrie. It says, the Bible is an armory of heavy weapons, a laboratory of infallible machines, a mine of exhaustless wealth. It's the guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, 
and a medicine for every malady. It's a balm for every wound. Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost its sun. That's what the Bible is for us. It's our sword. Who would ever dream of going to the battle without a weapon? We can put on all the armor, but, but who would want to go into the battle without any type of weapon? And, and Paul says, here's our weapon. It's the Word of God. And the Word of God's a powerful weapon. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing evenly to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, to discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible is a powerful weapon. Wielding the sword, it's, it's not a coincidence that at Jesus' time, temptation, the only thing He used, you remember when Christ was tempted? The only thing He used was the Word of God. Satan tempted Him three times. Three times God, Christ went to the Word of God and, and he, defeated, he defeated Satan through the Word of God. As we wield a sword, how do we do that? First, we got to read the Word. Get into the Word. Allow it to, to seek into every nook and cranny of you. Get in, spend some time, some time in the Word of God. You know what? That, that's hard to do, isn't it? I know it's hard to do, but we need to set aside some time and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in God's Word. If it's just five minutes, you've got to start somewhere and just, just get in God's Word. That's our, that's our weapon against Satan. We not only need to read it, we need to meditate on it. Listen to what Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, or we could say the word of the Lord, and on his word he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its seasons. His leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. The psalmist says we need to read God's Word. We need to meditate. We need to think about what we've heard, and we need to study God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved of God as workman who does not need to be ashamed, who handles with accuracy the Word of truth, God's Word. It says in Psalms, not only do we need to read the Word, meditate on the Word, study the Word, it says memorize the Word. Psalms 119 says, Thy Word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And here's the last thing. As we think about all these things about our sword, we need to reflect upon God's Word. James 1, 21 through 25 says, So get rid of every filthy habit and the wicked conduct. Submit yourselves and accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. Do not deceive yourselves by just listening to the word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word and do not put it into practice, you're like people who look at a mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then they go away and immediately they forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free and you keep on paying attention to it and do not simply listen and then forget it, put it into practice. Now that's through the message. That's a little bit different, written a little bit different. But you know, we, we talk a lot about do not merely be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves. 
But do what it says. Put it into practice. Paul says if we want to defeat Satan, we need to put on the full armor of God. We need to take the shield of faith and we need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word, so that we'll be able to stand. Would you bow with me? Father, Lord, this morning as we look into your Word, as we, we realize, Father, you've given us everything we need for godliness, for righteousness. You've given us everything we need planted within our character. Lord, I pray that we'd know that, that you have given us an arsenal of weapons. You've given us wisdom. You've given us skill to use them. But Father, I pray that we'd know as, as any weapon, as any contest, we need to practice those things daily. So when that day comes, we're not trying to figure out how to get our sword out or how to put our armor on because we've lived a daily life prepared for that day. Lord, I pray that we, through your Spirit, would learn to practice daily being equipped with your full armor, knowing that Satan does accuse us day and night, knowing that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, knowing that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking that which he can devour, knowing that his eyes on us constantly. Father, I pray that we would be prepared for him. Lord, I pray that we'd lock together our shields as we come into this place of worship, Lord, that we'd be able to, to stand before you and, and worship you in spirit and truth and, and not have any distractions and any hindrances from Satan in this place. And Lord, as we leave from this place, that we would be armed and prepared for battle, Father. Lord, I pray that your word would not go away this morning and be forgotten, but I pray, Lord, that we would hear your word. We'd not deceive ourselves and immediately forget. Allow Satan to come like those birds you described that, that quickly take away and eat up the seeds of your gospel. But Father, I pray that they would take root within our heart. I pray for those areas of our faith that we struggle in. Pray that we wouldn't allow Satan to steal the truth of your word. That we'd be courageous. We'd be prepared for battle. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each one that's here, Lord. And I pray today, Father, that we would know that we've been in your presence, that we would know that we're armed, we have a great future ahead of us, and we'd leave here filled with your joy. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.